doing? Hey, hey, very good. How are you? Oh, amazing. Truly amazing. Yeah, let's wait for some people to join. We have a lot of things to talk about. Let me see if I retweeted the space. Okay. How was your day so far? Very uh, intense. A lot of things happened today, a lot of activity, which is great. Nice. Yeah. Um, other than that, no, everything is fine. Uh, we had some holidays here in Israel, but they finally ended, so we're back to normal. Happy holidays. Yeah. It's always, uh, you know, strange. <laughs> <laughs> things happen out there you know in the world while we're here doing other things <laughs> life is what happens when you're outside when you're working on being true uh, <laughs> yeah so um let's start with the uh list of topics that we are going to talk about today it's quite a long list and uh, we also have a lot of questions to answer i see the recording is on so it's good which means that uh, people will also be able to listen to this later um yeah so let's start with the key uh kind of uh, events of uh, the last few days first of all uh the beam desktop wallet 7.3 was finally released and uh, as you know, it includes support for the hardware wallet. Uh, it includes a lot of improvements for the high frequency transactions, uh, which we're going to talk a lot about today for many reasons. It also includes the first version of the messenger. It's very basic, it's very primitive and uh, not very good looking, but it's a start and we uh, are going to improve it uh, going forward. So that's kind of the... Uh, the, the 7.3 and the, the 7.3 release was uh, a, a very important uh, kind of infrastructure that opened the way to all of the applications that are going to use the high frequency transactions. And the first application that is really using those transactions has actually launched today, and it's called Defrit. You probably heard about it. It's a stable coin uh, built on top of Beam, and we're going to talk a lot about this application as well for many reasons. Did you see it already? I did. I did. I downloaded the latest wallet on my desktop and I opened Trove and I just just got the the laptop up to speed as well. So I haven't haven't played around on it there yet, but I have on the desktop computer. Yeah. So uh it's it, it's really um like uh, an important application for many reasons. First of all, uh, it's like one of the cornerstone DeFi components, you know, for any ecosystem to have a stable coin. And uh, uh, so, you know, now, now we have one on Beam as well. It's very important, but also uh, from the technical perspective, as I said, it uses the high frequency transactions, the first app to actually do so. And it was also released using our decentralized Decentralized application store, uh, which is great. Uh, like the, I think the first live app to to use this store for for actual deployment. Um, 
it uses IPFS for hosting. It uses the contract for the publisher registration, and uh, uh, it's a great way to uh, publish applications in both decentralized and uh, confidential way. So it's nice to see this feature uh, also also getting used here. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the other topic. Also, we have uh, some uh, updates about uh, first of all the faucet. Uh, the faucet is live on mainnet again. Uh, last time it was uh, uh, robbed <laughs> uh, very quickly. Uh, somebody just created a lot of wallets and uh, you know just uh, took all of the kind of small amount of beam that was deposited there. Uh, we have changed uh, the mechanism for the uh, thresh uh, uh, for, for the like throttling of the beam uh, consumption from from the faucet uh, using time. So you will only be able to withdraw a certain amount over some period of time. So uh, hopefully uh, this will kind of slow down the robbing, even though it's small amounts, like the, the basic use for faucet is to just provide a small amount of uh, tokens or assets to play with uh, for somebody who is new to the ecosystem. You know, you download the wallet, you don't have any beam. So instead of immediately going to, I don't know, an exchange and buying some or to any other means, uh, you will just be able, should be able to receive a small amount. However, since this faucet is decentralized and it's a contract on chain, uh, there is no way to, you know, do any kind of uh, protection against someone creating a lot of wallets. So we, we kind of tried to, to, to tackle that in this new uh, feature, in this new version of the, of the faucet. So it's live. Uh, the asset minter uh, is also live, which means that anyone can create an asset using a smart contract and it will have a limited uh, supply kept by the number that you provide when you mint the asset and it will be enforced by smart contract. Unlike previous assets that were mostly created using the wallet uh, API and they were not limited in, in number and the owner could always mint more or burn the assets that they had, uh, this uh, way using the asset minter, you will always be able to prove that the total issued amount is limited and kept. So that's also a great uh, a great app to have on mainnet. Uh, there is currently a small bug with it that has to do with the wallet. Uh, we need to fix it. Uh, when you will try to mint the asset and then immediately withdraw it into your wallet, uh, there is a high possibility that the wallet will crash. And it's actually uh, an old mechanism uh, that's kind of protects, like uh, it's supposed to protect from uh, spending the assets that were just minted, uh, but it's not working correctly in this specific case and we will uh, we will fix that. So if you just minted a new asset using the asset minter and uh, just wait for a few, I don't know, maybe uh, an hour or so, and then you will be able to also withdraw it. But once again, we're working on that. It's a small issue to fix. Um, we're also going to talk about the upcoming releases uh, of the web wallet and a lot, uh, the mobile wallet is also in the works, but the web wallet is closer, I think. And also we have a lot of um, additional developments that uh, we plan to uh, use the web wallet with, and I will talk about that as well. So yeah, quite, quite a lot of things. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's about it. A very big wake, and and as you said, like a a very big launch with the seven point three wallet, and also Nefret coming out today. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so let's get started in an organized fashion. 
let's start with the 7.3. Uh, one of the things that really changed, uh, and it's an important change, and it's not still kind of fully uh, supported in a way, so we do need some to make some additional work uh, to make it even better, is how the addresses um, work internally uh, because of the change that we, we introduced with the hardware wallet. Uh, so, as you know, we have uh, SDBS, which is the mechanism for sending encrypted messages between wallets, and it is uh, used also for creating transactions. So, when you are sending somebody an address uh, in order to be able to you know, receive funds from them, you also provide this SDBS component. And um, when we added the hardware wallet support, we introduced another uh, component, which is like an additional signature, uh, which can be verified uh, on the hardware wallet, right? So, uh, SBBS is kind of more a means of, you know, transportation, delivering messages between wallets, but uh, that additional signature that we have initially called wallet ID, and now it is called uh, endpoint, I think, uh, in uh, some UI components. This is actually the additional signature that is uh, both verified and also shown in the UI. Um, and it's like I don't know the the you know the address of the recipient and the envelope, right? So SBBS is more like an envelope or an address, like and uh, the uh, endpoint is the actual signature on the letter or something like that, right? So it's kind of the uh, transport and and the essence of of the transaction signed by two different keys. So if you encounter this term endpoint, this is what it means. It just means that uh, this is the actual uh, signature that you will verify on your hardware wallet screen. Uh, and the SBBS is more like a transient you know, means of communication between wallets. It's less important uh, and uh, it does not affect the, the verification of the actual uh, signature on the hardware device. One of the things that we need to do in addition to the changes that we have already uh, implemented for this support we need to uh, kind of fix the address book. As you as you know, the address book was always kind of there in the wallet, but it was rarely used because when uh, we were creating a new SBS address for every transaction uh, and we didn't have this endpoint feature, it was basically useless, right? There was just you know too many entries without any meaning in the address book. But now that we do have this uh, separation between the signature and the, and the envelope that kind of sends it, uh, we can implement a much better support. So this is one of the things that we are going to work on uh, for the next uh, uh, version of the desktop wallet. Sounds good. One of the one of the questions that's coming up a little bit in the community chat at the moment: Can you use the endpoint as you would an SBBS address? Um, not exactly. So the uh, okay. So let's uh, um, try to to explain it like uh, better. Uh, okay, so in, in most cryptocurrencies, let's say Bitcoin, you have an address, right? And the address is two things. It uh, First of all, it's like how you send coins to someone. You just send to this address. And it's also the same mechanism that allows the uh, new owner, like once the coins are received by that address, to verify and to prove that the ownership of those coins, right? So it's kind of two things in one term. A great term, okay. address, very simple, very intuitive. Yeah. In Beam, these two functions are separated. You have one signature to uh, sign, basically to kind of both uh, 
authorize the transaction and also to prove that it's you know that it belongs to you. And also uh, you have the mechanism that actually connects to wallets and delivers this information from wallet, one wallet to another. And this is the SBDS. So we have two separate things to do the same kind of uh, the same operation. So the SBDS was not, not renamed to endpoint, it's still there. The endpoint is just this additional signature that is provided by the wallet uh, to, to, to perform the transaction. So when you are looking, for example, on the hardware wallet, you received or like you're sending to someone the address and you receive or you received from somebody the transaction, what you're going to see on the screen is this endpoint. This is the important part of the signature, the one that you verify on the hardware device. The SVBS remains just like this uh, envelope around it, just so your uh, transaction could be delivered to another wallet through our SVBS system, which is just an encrypted kind of messaging board uh, inside our nodes. Um, one of so there is a question about where to find the SVBS address because, as you know, it's needed for uh, most uh, uh, centralized exchanges. They do not support necessarily uh, the verification for our new uh, uh, signature scheme. So uh, it should be in transaction details. Uh, I, I'm going to create a, over the weekend, I have some plans to create some tutorials uh, on the subject, uh, like both text and video, and uh, we will uh, definitely emphasize these points, like where to find this information. But in the transaction details, you should be able to see the SVPS address. But when when you go to the uh, the address details, okay, cool. Yeah, um, but it's two completely different things: the SBBS and the endpoint. And just like the endpoint is wrapped in the SBBS and then delivered. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, as I said, there are some improvements that need to be made in this regard. It was kind of. Uh, uh, like it, it's it's a it's an important change and uh, it's like uh, maybe not supported uh, you know equally well everywhere in the wallet but yeah we will need to work on that and uh, I hope eventually it will be uh, it will be better. Um, by the way, um, I mentioned this in the community channel uh, today. When you are uh, asking questions um, about specific things. Uh, it, it's like very useful to tag them using uh, some kind of a tag. I don't know, for example, I don't know, wallet. If it's a question about the wallet or, you know, if it's like more specific questions about the DEX or the fleet or any other kind of application, uh, because there is a lot of chatter in the community, which is great. There's a lot of great discussions and a lot of questions. And, uh, uh, you know, when I wake up in the morning or like I, other people from, from the team, that when they look at the community channel, it's sometimes very difficult for them to uh, filter through through all of that. And uh, uh, once we have these tags, then it will be uh, much easier to find specific questions. So please do so and yeah, it will help. Absolutely, it makes it easier to, to not lose track of any of the bugs or improvement suggestions and this kind of thing. Uh, as yeah. I understand, the message is also pinned in the uh, Telegram community chat as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, I pinned it. Uh, I pinned it for a while just to kind of uh, uh, notify everyone. Uh, and 
Uh, yeah, so, uh, uh, you know, as you know, there are different people responsible for different aspects of the, uh, of the like, Beam ecosystem, different applications, different features. So everyone can be easily able to find uh, questions that are related to, uh, to them. We also have quite a few channels and, you know, we have the developer support and uh, uh, the regular support and like uh, uh, some other channels and uh, it's much easier to find uh, everything that belongs to a specific topic using those tags and uh, yeah, it's, it's a useful feature to have. Uh, okay, so, uh, so, so yeah, so I expect there will be a lot of, uh, like a lot more questions about all that because actually uh, the 7.3 is, uh, is a big release. It doesn't like look like it in terms of like, they're not too many, uh, you know, external changes or like crazy uh, kind of uh, UI uh, changes that uh, like are immediately visible. But in terms of the internal functionality, there are a lot of new things there. Uh, so yeah, I, I expect that will be a lot of questions and we hope to uh, answer most of them. Uh, in any case, if you can't get an answer or you run uh, into any problems, uh, the first place to go is obviously the Beam support Telegram channel. And then if you don't get any help there, which is rare, you can just uh, contact me directly as usual uh, and I will try to help. So never feel uh, that you you know don't, don't have anywhere to go. You, we're, we're always here. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so um, let's move on and talk about Nifrit. Um, so first of all, uh, Nifrit, as you know, is a uh, collateralized uh, confidential stablecoin built on top of Beam. And um, it's quite a complicated and complex application, right? So uh, in terms of the, uh, let's say, uh, method of operation, how it works, uh, it, the most kind of close uh, resemblance is to liquidity, uh, but not too many people know about liquidity, unfortunately, but it's a great stable coin on Ethereum. And uh, I would like to do two things. First of all, kind of explain now that Nifrit is finally live, uh, provide a small like, overview of what, uh, how it works, but not like in, in depth, but rather like what's the, um, basic principles and important things that Nifrit uh, is, is, is doing like how it is different from liquidity, how it's different from uh, MakerDAO DAI, which is, uh, I think, one of the most uh, popular and uh, well-known stable coins that use collateralized mechanism CDPs. Um, and also, I would like to talk about some specific features of Nifrit. Um, as I said, it's a complicated application. Uh, and uh, my recommendation, you know, as usual for everyone is to study it carefully. Uh, not to commit immediately too much funds to it, play with it, see how it works. If you don't want to commit any funds, you can always uh, test it on the DAPnet. That's why we have the DAPnet. So you can you know, play with any application for free. Uh, if you have the uh, ability and uh, the time to read the, the free white paper, it's even better because it has a lot of like, important information. Um, but let's start with the basics. So first of all, all of these uh, Nifrit, uh, Dai, and also like Liquidity, they have the same idea of using over collateralized debt positions uh, to mint stable coins. What it means is that you lock uh, some amount of collateral, which is larger than 100%. Like in Dai, I think it's like 300%. Uh, 
uh, in liquidity and liquidity is like 110%. It means that the value of the collateral at all times is greater than the minted position in stable coins. This is how the value of this stable is maintained. When the price of the collateral, whatever it may be, uh, on beam currently in liquidity, it's obviously beam, uh, when it uh, changes its price, if it moves up, then great. Your collateralization ratio increases and you're all good. However, if it moves down, it means that there is a risk that the nifrit uh, will be under collateralized and that cannot happen. So what happens in this situation is that your position can be liquidated. When the price of, let's say, beam as a collateral moves down uh, and it falls under the threshold of 110%, the position is, uh, can be liquidated. The liquidation is actually part of the application. So when you open the Nifrit screen, one of the things that you will see there is to liquidate positions. And whoever liquidates position gets a 10 Nifrit or 10 US dollars basically because Nifrit is tied to dollar uh, bonus immediately. And this 10 uh, Nifrit is taken from the initial uh, collateral kind of that, that was used uh, to create this position. The position is called the trove. In, in both Nifrit and Liquid, it's called the trove. You can only have one trove, but obviously you can change the amount of collateral there. So at each time on the screen, you see your position, how much ICR, which is the collateralization ratio that it has. It obviously has to be more than 110%, but the more collateralization ratio you have, the more your position is protected from liquidation. Now, when you go to the liquidation, you see the weakest positions uh, first. Like, for example, when I open the screen right now, I see that the weakest position that we currently have in Ifrit is at uh, 152%, which is great, which is much more than the minimum. But once it falls down, it can be liquidated, and uh, whoever liquidates this position gets this price, like the, the, the 10 Ifrit, which is the $10, which is quite a lot of money, for liquidating that position and making the ecosystem stronger. So. When you uh, have a situation when your position falls uh, under like certain amount of uh, collateral, you can have two options. You can either close this position by basically returning back the nifrit that you borrowed, or you can add more collateral. In any case, you should be uh, kind of mindful to that. If you have uh, a trove open in nifrit, you, you should always know uh, approximately uh, how much uh, is your ICR, and it's easy to see on the main screen, in order not to get liquidated. <clears throat> One thing that is important to um, emphasize, and this is what differs, like one of the key differences between, let's say, Nifrit and Liquidity, uh, is to ability of direct redemption. Uh, direct redemption means that you can uh, basically uh, redeem your Nifrit at, at, at face value, right? So but you have the free, you can come and say, okay, listen, this is my free, please sell me the collateral, which is beam at, at the current market rate. And uh, the redemption uh, part of the application will start working in about two weeks. This is kind of the grace period in order to allow the system to stabilize and to have enough uh, total value locked and enough collateral in the system. And after two weeks, the redemptions will be possible. It's part of the protocol. It's also described in the white paper. So if you go to the screen and it doesn't work, that's why. For the first two weeks, this feature is disabled to allow the system to kind of gain 
to action before the redemption starts. Now, the last part which I want to uh, emphasize is the stability pool. Um, the stability pool, it has the purpose of allowing people to lock free, so to lock the stable, uh, which can be used to, um, to basically rescue uh, the trolls that fall under uh, the lowest kind of uh, threshold of collateralization ratio. Uh, in case uh, you know there is a risk of like kind of systemic falling under the uh, the CR or something like that, so it's kind of used only in uh, very kind of dire circumstances. But <clears throat> people who lock their uh, nifrit there, they get rewarded with uh, Bmax, and this is exactly the part that was voted upon. <clears throat> I'm sorry, in the uh, Epoch 18, I think it was. And uh, uh, this is how the allocation of the BMAX that was uh, um, uh, kind of dedicated to Nifrit by the DAO uh, is going to be used, right? So this BMAX that uh, we have voted on will be deposited in the Nifrit contract, and they will be used to reward those who uh, provide uh, liquidity to the stability pool. So right now, uh, this BMAX was not deposited in the contract yet, even though we did allocate it, like we, we, we did vote on it. And the reason is because we want, first of all, to make sure that the application works correctly before we commit these, those funds. So if you encounter any issues uh, or any problems with free to use it and, like, and you see any problems either in the logic or the, in the UI, whatever, uh, in the coming days, please let us know. And uh, we will tweet about it, and uh, uh, we will uh, make sure that everything works correctly before the DAO commits any BMAX uh, to the stability pool rewards. Nice. And and like a question on this and the stability pool and and that, like why is the BMAX rewards being used? <clears throat> excuse me, uh, to encourage people to join the stability pool. So when you are joining the stability pool, what you are doing is basically you are locking your nifrit, uh, and you uh, make it available for the uh, stabilization of the system in kind of extreme circumstances. And uh, obviously, like why would you do that? Uh, you know, it's your nifrit; you just minted it, or you or you just bought it. So why why would you do that? What's the incentive? And this is exactly the incentive. So. The reason that uh, we use BMAX is because uh, we as a DAO are interested in in the success of this application since it's the stable coin on Beam. It has like a lot of potential. It also generates profits for the DAO uh, in transaction fees. So when you are doing uh, operations inside the free, the fees go to the DAO. And in return, the DAO provides this reward uh, for the stability pool. So it's kind of a mutually beneficial relationship between the uh, application and the DAO because the application is obviously interested in long-term stability and success, and the DAO is interested in the profit. So it, this is kind of the, the combination of these two factors. Absolutely. And, and what you mentioned earlier about like uh, going to the liquidation page and being able to liquidate other people's positions, does this mean that mm -hmm. you have to, like, if you're liquidating it, do you have to cover the nifri that is owed on the position and in return get the beam? 
or does this uh, or does it come yeah, from? Yeah, uh, that, that's how yes, that's how liquidation works. And the, uh, it, no, one, one second, it's not you that cover. You just uh, hit. Uh, you just hit the liquidation, and uh, uh, okay, it comes uh, from the stability the pool, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the point is, no, the point is like that. Uh, first of all, as I said, uh, it's a complicated application, and uh, we, like we need to read the uh, read the manual carefully in this case because there are several modes. There are two modes. Uh, one is called the recovery mode, and the regular mode, uh, and they behave differently, right? And it's, uh, it has to do with the kind of total situation across all tropes. But the point here is uh, that. There are different mechanisms. Let's say in the MakerDAO DAI, it's very simple because there is an auction. Like not simple, but it's like very simple to understand uh, because there is an auction, and whenever position is uh, being liquidated, there is an auction, and whoever proposes the best price to liquidate this position wins and gets this uh, this benefit because there is a uh, penalty involved in the in the, in the collateral. In liquidity, it, it, there is no auction. Um, and uh, the position is basically kind of liquidated by, by the system. So it's kind of spread across the other uh, positions that are over collateralized. The point is that, uh, first of all, whoever triggers the liquidation gets the, the reward because we are uh, interested in liquidating weak positions as quickly as possible, right? So, uh, what it means is that the liquidation is very profitable operation for the liquidator, right? You just click and you get 10 free. Obviously, right now we have a UI for that, but if free gets traction, obviously there will be automated tools, you know, bots, whatever that will do that uh, using the API and they will react much faster to these situations. But it's, it's healthy to get rid of uh, weak uh, trolls as quickly as possible. Maybe, uh, <laughs> otherwise, like, do you get into situations where the trolls can't be liquidated to with enough yeah. cover the, the loan and this kind of stuff? So that intense... Yeah, I, I think there's something with your microphone because I, for a second I couldn't. It, it could. Is it better now? Okay, yeah, yeah. I did the old thing where I like uh, covered the microphone with my. Uh, appendix. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. So um, one of the things that uh, um, like, obviously there is a lot of uh, kind of official information about how Nifrit works, but I will also try to cover um, uh, cover these things in the in the video tutorial that I will prepare because yeah, uh, there are a lot of uh, non-trivial details there. Like it's as I said, it's it's complicated. Um, yeah, but uh, like play with it, ask questions, and uh, uh, we will figure it out. One of the way. one of the questions that came up a couple of times in the past and and more recently today uh, has there like in your communications with the Nifreet team have they spoken about adding other collateral such as Bitcoin or Ethereum? And, and what are your thoughts on like uh, additional collateral, whether it be wrapped assets or, or that kind of thing? Yeah, uh, it, there was a great conversation uh, in the community channel uh, about this uh, earlier today. Um, so first of all, uh, two things. 
in terms of the collateral types, uh, it's important, I think, to to have those collateral assets, the assets that are used for collateral, uh, to be as decentralized as possible. Uh, for example, I kind of strongly, I would say, uh, not opposed because I don't have a say in it, but I, I was very kind of. Uh, uh, suspicious when uh, Dai started using a lot of uh, USDC as collateral, um, and uh, I don't think in general using kind of centralized tables or other centralized assets as a collateral uh, for uh, a decentralized stable coin is a good idea. So it obviously I think it should be um, volatile decentralized assets. And on Beam currently, the only uh, the only asset that you know can be objectively used for this purpose is Beam because Beam is the only asset that has market price. In the future, obviously, we have more options, and these options are uh, either new assets that have a price, for example, Beamx theoretically once it has a price through I don't know Dex, for example, or it can be bridged assets. Now, the bridged assets. Uh, Right now, we only bridge from Ethereum, so it can be Ethereum, it can be wrapped Bitcoin, uh, it can be uh, DAI or USDT, and in the future, there can be more, more assets. Uh, the problem with the bridge right now, and with most bridges, is that they are usually too centralized for, for my taste, and uh, they are very... Uh, very often hacked, and uh, it's very... Um, I would say uh, uh, increases the risk in 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 many regards. Uh, for example, uh, <laughs> it wasn't a hack, but when uh, you know a real bank collapsed in the real world uh, and uh, it held like three billion dollars of worth of USDC, uh, which was used uh, uh, also as a collateral for Dai, uh, both USDC and Dai uh, kind of went off their peg, and it's a very scary situation that no stablecoin project wants to be in. So, yes, theoretically, it's possible in the future. I don't know if the team has any plans for that. Uh, but I also think that in terms of like uh, us as a DAO, as a community, uh, yeah, like the li liquidity will be better. But I think we, we have a lot of things to do uh, in terms of uh, bringing more liquidity and, you know, doing marketing and bringing more traction. Uh, to beam in general and defeat uh, in particular before we start thinking about that because any additional uh, collateral type uh, especially if it is breached uh, breached uh, you know it, it increases the risk overall so uh, i don't know if we should rush to that absolutely term. and and like i said uh, btc but if if my understanding is correct it wouldn't be able to be like bridged btc from the bitcoin network it would need to be WBTC, which has been, which I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is like a centralized issuer and, and this kind of stuff uh, that issues, issues that. Yeah. Since, since Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin does not have smart contracts, you know, in, in, in sufficient form to, to allow decentralized bridges, it's obviously going to be some sort of a centralized bridge. Uh, it can be kind of, uh, uh, you know, because WBTC is is also a, a bridge of sorts. There is an organization that holds Bitcoin and then needs WBTC. Yeah. So it's it's like a centralized bridge, in, in fact. 
So when you bridge WBTC to Beam, you have two bridges to worry about. You have the original WBTC and uh, whatever can happen to that. And you can also uh, you also see a bridge from uh, from uh, the, the wrapped Bitcoin on Ethereum to Beam uh, wrapped assets. So it's kind of two bridges. So the more bridges there are, obviously the risk is, yeah. is greater. Uh, theoretically, it would be great if there was a amazingly stable, honest, and uh, uh, you know uh, respectable organization that would hold some Bitcoin and then mint. Uh, directly on B. That would be amazing. But uh, uh, since, you know, there is no such organization for now, uh, that that's the situation we're in. Makes sense. I was I, I was going to suggest, uh, <laughs> I was going to make a joke about Doquan and, and Luna Classic. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if they still have their, their Bitcoin, though. Probably not. Yeah, uh, it's probably it's probably a good topic for another time uh, because we do have just too many things to cover today. But every time, like I, I, I re- look at these, you know, stories about what happened in, in all of these, like uh, Terra and uh, FTX and all that, like I'm amazed at the level of incompetence that you know. Uh, it's crazy. Next time. One one of the things that I do want to emphasize <laughs> is like how well. In like all of the last year and and more than a year of of craziness, how well like uh, LUSD the the liquidity on Ethereum chain held up in comparison to to many companies and exchanges and and this kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and banks. And banks yeah. So I think like what the Nefri team has has based the stablecoin for Beam off of uh, is a very solid choice. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, so first of all, when uh, all of this Luna Terra story started, uh, there was kind of an immediate problem because they all used this term of algorithmic stablecoin yeah. back in the day, and uh, uh, turned out that you know there are different kinds of algorithmic stablecoins. There are those that are based on collateralized positions like Dai, which also behaved greatly during the most difficult of times. Uh, Liquidity LUSD also behaved like very well. Uh, and also there are kind of uh, Luna Terra style uh, uh, self-minting mechanisms which work much worse, let's say, kindly. And um, uh, then we started to change our language and no longer say like algorithmic versus USD based. And we started to uh, distinguish between different kinds of algorithmic stablecoins. And then we kind of, you know, uh, talk, talk about collateralized and over collateralized stablecoins. So, yeah, I agree. And indeed, those uh, uh, mechanisms, they are much uh, much more resilient, much better suited for, uh, uh, you know, both like sharp uh, upward and downward uh, uh, trading markets. I agree. It's the best choice, like in my opinion, it's the best uh, it's the best choice that could have been made for, for Nifrit, and I'm really happy for it. Uh, but once again, you know, let's be careful, uh, you know, New application, new ecosystem, uh, on beam. Uh, I I would rather be built slowly and surely than you know rush into any kind of uh, adventures uh, because yeah, like I, I'm just advertising caution in any case and uh, caution control and understanding what's happening. It's it's kind of everything is new and we need to uh, figure out how things work before we just you know. 
and go crazy. Exactly. That. Like, uh, as with any like new product or software or whatever, especially when like you're putting money or beam or Bitcoin or Ethereum always like be fairly careful and, and know what you're getting into and, and the risks and this kind of stuff. Better to be safe than Absolutely. sorry. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we're all optimistic, we're all hopeful, but we also need to be uh, responsible and careful. And uh, I think that's the way the crypto should should work and not like, oh, there is a new contract somewhere. Let's put all our money. <laughs> yeah. Wait, at least <laughs> wait for the bull market uh, to, to shift focus a little bit. Uh, yeah, at least wait wait for the creator of that contract to yeah. wake up, you know, like it wasn't like one of the one of the other the things that I wanted to to ask about is with the seven point three release the, the also came with it the messenger. Uh can you touch yeah. on like what the messenger currently is and like the the alpha version and this kind of thing and, and what is the next steps that you see for being messenger? Yeah. So currently, the messenger is uh, uh, something between proof of concept and like very, very, very early alpha. Uh, what it does is uh, relatively simple in terms of the um, uh, technology behind it. It uh, uses the existing mechanism of the same old good SBBS. Uh, and instead of, like, for example, SBBS is used for asset swaps. Like when you create a new swap, the message is broadcasted uh, using yeah. SBBS. But here, what you can do is you can send an SBBS message to a specific address, right? To a specific SBBS address. So that's kind of point to point, one to one messenger. You can talk with one specific person, the person that you already know, because you have to get the address from another messenger. Uh, but it is encrypted. It's encrypted. It is also uh, transient. So these messages, they, they expire, like in the system. They are not stored anywhere. They use the same existing SBBS mechanism in which, as you know, uh, I think after 24 hours, those messages are discarded. So this is the first version. And uh, the second version, which uh, we, we will start working on now, uh, will do two things. First of all, it will allow uh, group chats because after all, that's what we all want, right? We want to be able to chat in groups, small groups, large groups, whatever. Uh, it's not really interesting to just, you know, send messages to one person. Um, sometimes it is, but definitely less useful than, uh, you know, having, uh, uh, having an ability to chat in groups. The other thing that's important is, um, and it, it's something that is actually larger than just the messenger, it's in general a very important thing that we need to do, is a better integration between the wallet and the applications. For example, Bans. Bans is a great application, and uh, it's very easy to send somebody funds uh, because, you know, you have their kind of Bans name, and then you just go to, I don't know, beamcto.beam and you send them funds. But in order to do so today, you need to go to the application screen, you need to open the band's application, and only then you can actually access it. You cannot access it from your regular send screen because the send screen is inside the wallet and bands is a DAP. And we do have a very strict separation between these two and for a good reason. Because, you know, decentralized applications are uh, naturally a little bit less trusted. So we don't want to directly expose them to all of the wallet APIs to allow them to know our balances, to allow them to know 
you know, control our funds, uh, obviously, and other things. However, in many cases, there is a good uh, like reason to integrate them better. For example, uh, when you are able to open a, let's say, messenger and then just click somebody's buns and find their either address or whatever, the ways to communicate with them, it's in, you know, much easier than, than doing it in other ways. Also, uh, for DEX, for example, uh, when you open the DEX screen and you want the DEX application to know which assets you're holding and then only show you the relevant pools that you can trade in, uh, it needs to somehow communicate, maybe not the exact amounts, but at least which types of assets you're holding, right, to show you that. But that's also like information that you provide. So all of these mechanisms for better integration between the DApps and the wallet, uh, they are something that we are going to discuss going forward, uh, both internally and externally, like in all, all possible ways, and see if we can devise a uh, mechanism that is both safe uh, in terms of like control, because the most important thing is that you always know exactly what information you are exposing and to which DAP. And also, uh, eventually improve the usability of uh, of these uh, um, you know co combinations of different applications and the, and the wallet um, so yeah that's that's a very big topic that is also relevant both to the messenger to the dex and many other applications uh, obviously to the bands application because it's very nice and it's very useful and we do want to integrate with it uh, yeah so it's a, a lot of work in this uh, this department absolutely like i've i've had uh obviously i've seen many like uh transactions on beam and ethereum and bitcoin and this kind of stuff and i do have like uh i do have a bands address and i have an ens and this kind of stuff but strangely i've never sent like anything to one of those addresses and and i guess it goes back to what you said about like being a little bit cautious and not trusting it so much. I don't know why, but I always send it to, to the standard address. Uh, yeah, because uh, one of the most uh, kind of important things in, in, in software design in general is the affordability, like how easy it is to get to some, to some function. Uh, and in many cases, uh, even the difference between, let's say, one click and two clicks, uh, can make a huge difference in the conversion or like the usage of a specific Absolutely. functionality. Uh, yeah, since since Beam was initially designed, uh, this is a kind of evolutionary you know process of adding features to an existing functionality. And Beam was originally designed for simple transactions, and all of the additional mechanisms like the smart contracts and the applications that came later, the process of the design kind of guided it through uh, making them simplest or like oldest functions more available because they are on the top screen. And then uh, all of the additional functionality was added later. So it's a little bit kind of more in, in depth of the wallet and is less uh, covered. And even though we did redesign a lot of things along the way, uh, it's still, uh, you know, it, 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 you can still see this, right? When you, when you click on, uh, even, even in the simplest example, like when you click on receive, and you see the drop down uh, of uh, the different assets that you can, you know, receive. You see that it was added later, right? It's a little bit kind of different from the very slick initial design because naturally that's the process. 
So there are two ways to uh, kind of uh, deal with that situation in general, not just in Beam. Uh, one is at some point when there is enough new functionality and you see that it cannot squeeze you know, anymore, or if there is a logical uh, stopping point, like let's say, okay, now we have everything that we need and now we can uh, you know, take and redesign the entire wallet uh, so that the new functionality is much better integrated with the old one. So that's one of the approaches. Uh, the other approach is to uh, just uh, try to separate it, and that's what we've been doing so far, uh, logically separate it into different kind of uh, screens. And it was working for us. We, we took out all of the applications, we put it in a separate uh, screen called the Dub Store, and there we have provided all of the functionality that was related to the Dubs, and all of the kind of uh, older or classic functionality was still remaining in the wallet section. But today, I think we're reaching this point uh, where, uh, you know, we can no longer do that for for too too much time because uh, we see that both the functions become more integrated, more complex, and also the existing design is uh, is already kind of, you know, at, at its uh, edge of, of being able to squeeze the new things. Uh, I think one of the most kind of illustrative way to see that when you open the Beam wallet on a uh, on a laptop screen, uh, the left pane with all of the features uh, is full, right? You cannot squeeze anything. So uh, uh, there used to be just one icon there, the wallet, but now we have the wallet and the atomic swaps and the asset swaps and the dub store and the DAO and the voting and the bridges and the messenger, right? So it just kind of gets very crowded. This is true. I can see, although, a tiny space between the messenger and the address book. <laughs> Yeah, but exactly. yeah, like it's amazing. Uh, yeah, so it, yeah, not, amazing how many more uh, there are already on the like left hand panel now than than obviously when we launched. Absolutely. Now this brings me to another topic, and it's actually a great segue because uh, it it kind of answers several questions. Uh, the web wallet. Listen, the web wallet is going to be amazing for two reasons. First of all, yes, we're going to release the new version soon. Uh, we have completely uh, rebuilt it almost from scratch because uh, the Google changed the way that uh, extensions work with the features that we needed for this wallet to operate. And uh, uh, one of the differences or the key differences now is that it has to open, uh, even if you uh, install it as an extension, let's say for Chrome, it has to open as a full page. It, it can no longer appear uh, from this um, uh, small kind of dialogue that opens when you click on the icon in the top right corner, it has to be open as a full page. That's the limitation that Google provided. It's not us. However, it does give us a lot of uh, new uh, interesting opportunities to make this UI larger. So for now, in the version that is going to be released, I hope really soon, we are kind of testing it and finishing the last bugs, and we are also upgrading it to the 7.3 library. Uh, you will see that what we've done, we've basically taken the old UI, we made it a little bit wider, and we also changed the, um, the confidential assets uh, uh, panes to, to kind of reflect the better information and make it more you know, similar to the desktop wallet. But that's just the beginning. So we are going to uh, both improve the existing features of the wallet and also web wallet because it's easier to implement in many ways uh, because the web technologies that are used are kind of more lightweight. The changes are a little bit easier. 
Um, we are going to experiment a lot with the web wallet to try to address many of those UI issues and UX issues that we eventually also want in the desktop wallet. Uh, until this point, the desktop wallet was the uh, uh, the leader, like the, the, the flagman, and uh, had the most functionality. But I think now, in terms of the uh, new things that we need, we can do uh, a lot more and a lot kind of quicker uh, changes on the web wallet. So that's kind of how I envision it. Another important thing that we're going to do, we're going to take our existing DAP store and make it available as a web page. So you will go to, let's say, dapps.beam.mw. You will see the DAP store applications, and then you will just connect the web wallet and immediately start using DAPs. Uh, once again, before we had uh, all of these DAPs that we have now, and uh, uh, you know, before the Beam DeFi ecosystem was you know, existing, most of the things or most of the operations were actually involving transactions in the world. But today, I believe that this is changing and most people are going to use uh, mostly DAPs uh, for most you know, of their activity in Beam. And this means that we can shift the focus uh, from just, you know, just the transactions to more kind of complicated interactions with the dApps. And I think the web wallet and the web dApp store uh, will provide a great testing ground and a great kind of uh, uh, lab to innovate in and, in and to test our assumptions, to test our UI and uh, uh, other integrations, because, you know, it's much easier to, to uh, to work with in terms of like development time and also the deployment is easier. So that's uh, that's the plan going forward. Um, and I think it will provide a lot of interesting uh, features, improvements and opportunities. So that's, uh, that's the next big thing that uh, uh, we're currently working on and going to deliver soon on Beam. This is Cohen and, and a very like uh, good for what you mentioned earlier about like those extra steps kind of being a pushback against like getting people to to join in or use something and this kind of thing and and i think it was the last space we mentioned about like many of the dApps you cannot see any information or see what's going on unless you like have the wallet or or this kind of thing which is currently the case for beam and and the like dap website itself would be really useful for for pointing people that are new to beam forwards and and seeing what we've got and what depths are there and what's on offer kind of thing. Yeah, 100%. So first of all, we, we have discussed it last time indeed when we talked about marketing, uh, the ability to uh, quickly engage with new users is essential. Uh, you know, people have very little uh, time and patience these days. So you do need to provide them with the quickest possible way to, to get started with the ecosystem. And that's why when you, uh, you know, get to the website and you immediately see like live information about what's happening and you can, you know, with one click get, you know, create a seed and get something from the faucet that will motivate you to then install the web wallet and maybe the desktop wallet. And by the way, um, uh, after, uh, not just after, but probably before, but th there is a lot of activity uh, in the community uh, around the, uh, the marketing is around the website redesign. Um, and uh, I would like to especially, uh, you know, uh, give a big shout out to Mr. Magic Potatoes, I think that's the handle, who is working on a new website and uh, he will present it soon 
Uh, I think when it's when it's ready, I already saw it. There are some links uh, here and there, but it looks amazing. And uh, uh, one is, I think one of the greatest features of this of his idea is that the website can be hosted on the IPFS, so it will be uh, much more resilient to just you know residing on a centralized uh, server. Um, all of the DApps will also be moved to IPFS eventually. Uh, that's that's the plan. So we don't want, at least as a backup, right? So, but we, we don't want to only rely on centralized service ever. Um, yeah, uh, great work. And uh, in general, uh, like uh, the activity in the community is absolutely amazing. Uh, a lot of can you, you know discussions, questions, criticisms. Uh, it, it's great. Like I never been happier about it. Absolutely, and and like want to back you up and say like very cool to see like the I'm laughing because I I find so many of the community members names very difficult to to remember and say the magic potatoes huge effort uh, and everyone in that group actually has been coming up with some great ideas and suggestions and this kind of thing and and I think that this is very like positive not just in the short term but even more so in like the long term for beam and and the ecosystem and this kind of stuff as well uh, yeah it's it's amazing and uh, uh, keep it up it's really helping it's really great i mean yeah it's it's working <laughs> uh, by the way uh speaking of the community there are several questions i don't know how many of them we will be able to answer uh as of now because we're running out of time but uh there was uh there was one question that i would like to address uh and um uh, it was about uh, Lilantus Spark. Uh, Lilantus Spark is a new uh, is a new development, a new paper that was published by uh, the same great uh, person who invented Lilantus protocol. His name is Aram Jivanyan, and it's an improvement uh, on the existing Lilantus. Uh, Firo uh, is going to use it uh, at some point, and uh, the question was whether we can uh, upgrade uh, Lilantus Mimblewimble to Lilantus Spark Mimblewimble. So. Uh, let me say this. First of all, when we spoke last with Aram, he was in Tel Aviv for a conference and we met with him. Uh, he mentioned about this development. And uh, uh, I think one of the, from what I understood from him back then, uh, one of the big advantages is the uh, increased anonymity set even further. So right now we have 64K anonymity set, uh, which is already a lot, but uh, the Lilato Spark is supposed to be uh, even even better in this uh, regard. Uh, however, when I uh, read uh, or like tried to review the paper today, uh, when I heard about it and I kind of uh, tried to understand what else it provides, uh, like I think there may, might be additional benefits, but I'm not 100% sure about exactly like what uh, what they are. Uh, so I don't want to just you know talk nonsense. Uh, what we've done is I, I sent it to Vladi. Vladi is reading it, and uh, since he is the one who implemented Lantos on Beam in the first place, I think he will make much better sense of it than, than I ever will. And uh, the answer to this question is uh, most likely yes. Uh, it will definitely require hard work uh, because it's an upgrade to a major uh, protocol in, in Beam. Uh, we will see exactly what the benefits are. Uh, the difference between uh, Firo and uh, and Beam and Disregard, I think, is that 
they only use Lilantos. We use Lilantos Wimble Wimble, and I think that maybe uh, maybe this uh, upgrade provides kind of a more value for them at this point. Like, if it's just an anonymity set, uh, we, we will need to see whether it makes sense and how difficult it is. Uh, but if there are any additional benefits in terms of like usability um, or like new transaction types that will be supported, then uh, you know we will provide more information about it and uh, definitely consider uh, upgrading to it in the future if it's possible. But, Makes yeah. perfect sense, and and like agree with what you mentioned about like if it's only sort of focused on anonymity set, then maybe. Like maybe it's even something to like discuss in the forum and and go from there as to whether it's worth it or the focus and resources are better put onto something else. It's a for yeah. sure an interesting discussion. By the way, uh, you know what? I I, I just uh, realized that I, <laughs> that I forgot. Uh, you know, it's there's so many features right now in Beam. I'm I'm getting lost myself. Like sometimes <laughs> I'm like, oh wait a second, yeah, we, we implemented that as well. Uh, in the new faucet, you can donate any asset you want. Like it's not just for Beam. So this anymore. is cool. Uh, I think that Max and Flex all sent some. I can't remember which. I just saw it in the chat. Tico, yeah, I think he sent some of this to the faucet, and I didn't. Yeah, I see it. Like, yeah, we have we have Tico in the faucet. We have Nifrit in the faucet. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, Wicked. Uh, yeah, so it, it's it's really it's really cool. You can get uh, uh, yeah, you, you can get uh, you, you can donate and you can get kind of uh, any. I think somebody requested. Like, I think it was. Uh, uh, I think it was Max and Taxel maybe who requested or asked whether there is a possibility to deploy a separate faucet uh, for like Tico or whatever, but you, you don't need to right now. So you can use the uh, the same faucet for all. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, somebody just claimed it free. It wasn't me. I was, yeah. I, I opened it and saw it and <laughs> then I saw key and I thought, what's key? Yeah. And got distracted. Uh I, I have one last <laughs> question, I guess, before like we wrap up. Uh, with Mifrit having launched to mainnet today, do you have any rough estimate as to when the DEX will launch to mainnet? Yeah, so first of all, uh, the updated version of the accumulator uh, was launched today on DAPNET. Uh, and it's the version that we have uh, uh, implemented and added uh, all kinds of fixes uh, and uh, improvements following the previous uh, testing uh, testing ground that we have uh, for the previous version of the accumulator. So please go to the document and uh, take a look at the new accumulator. And we like. It, I didn't get to, to test it properly yet. Uh, it was just deployed uh, earlier today. Uh, and uh, once we finish testing the new version of the accumulator and we see that it works as expected, we will launch immediately. Like my hopes that it will happen, uh, I don't know, Sunday or Monday, like the, the close, but in the next few days, right? Because uh, uh, both uh, like the developer who worked on it goes on uh, short vacation. So I would like to, you know, to deploy it before uh, before he goes to the vacation, so we we can still, uh, you know, fix uh, any issues that might arise. 
Um, in terms of the UI, uh, it's not it's not the final version. Uh, the, the accumulator app has two stages. It has the accumulation stage when you just deposit the Beam and Beam X pair, and then after the Dex launches, it, uh, it transforms itself into the staking app. So. We are currently focused on the first stage um, to make sure that it, it works. And since this stage will only happen once, you know, we don't invest too much into make it uh, super perfect in terms of the design. So yeah, like if it works in terms of, of the functionality, we will launch it as soon as possible. And what it means that it will start the accumulation phase, which will last for two weeks. And once it's complete, we will launch the DEX. Everything is ready. We're now in the procedural, procedural stage. Uh, yeah, so that's, that, that's it, and it means that by the end of this month, uh, we are uh, we're live with the decks, and uh, uh, I think uh, it will be a super great step in terms of the Beam DeFi ecosystem being being ready for prime time. Absolutely, like going to be a huge uh, a huge addition to Beam. I would say, like earlier, yeah. you mentioned that a stable coin is like one of the most. I'd even go so far as saying like. Mm -hmm the most and and not only like the a stable coin but the idea of having like other assets on top of the same blockchain that have like a a value in a stable coin or like one that's backed by uh a debt position and this kind of stuff is definitely has value uh and i would say like after the stable coin the dex is up there with the most like pertinent uh, applications for any decentralized system. Totally. Uh, and, uh, you know, just before we wrap up, uh, I, I need to say that, uh, yeah, like uh, we are going to have uh, all of the important building blocks, but it doesn't mean, uh, you know, we still have so much work ahead of us. Uh, just to give one example, um, now that we have tons of assets, uh, one of the big problems is how to filter them correctly, uh, how to avoid buying, I don't know, uh, fake BMAX or fake BFREIT or whatever, like assets that are not uh, use the same name but don't have the same ID. So uh, that and uh, how I uh, uh, adapt my wallet to only show the assets that I use the most or assets that, uh, you know, uh, kind of the most uh, prominent. All of these questions are still uh, open and we are uh, both actively working on ideas, but also accept, you know, uh, any suggestions, proposals and, uh, uh, you know, thoughts from the, from the community. And it's very, very helpful. These discussions, they guide us, they provide a ton of feedback. So yeah, uh, a lot of work still ahead of us, and uh, I'm really eager, like to to uh, re really waiting for for these uh, next steps. Uh, now that we do have uh, finally like all of these building blocks either already released or on the way, uh, something that I personally been waiting for for a long time, and now it's really happening. Uh, and it just you know it's definitely just the beginning. Opens up a lot of new possibilities. Uh, Crazy exciting times. And uh, yeah, thank you very much all for your support and being with us and keep it up. Keep providing uh, your thoughts and uh, you know, it's going to be amazing going forward. The summer will be hot. Absolutely. So much been done and, and so much like coming up very on the very like short term horizon and then even more like possibilities in the future as well. And I think that these foundations lay 
lay the, the well <laughs> these applications lay the foundation for some incredible like uh, exciting times sort of the BME ecosystem absolutely totally wicked Alex as always thank you so much yeah thank you and uh, thanks everyone for being here and we'll see you next week and uh, yeah we will talk a lot in between in many many channels absolutely take care and see you soon yeah thanks guys bye bye